0: Doing a part two of an episode that I did with my friend Jennifer Hernan. We were chatting away about color, and there's so much that we have to talk about when the two of us get together where hair color is concerned. We really wanted to take time on the second part two episode of diving deeper into gray coverage. We had explored that, you know, a lot of people may not be. Uh, considering texture of hair when formulating for color you know we all know rules in color as far as you know what percentage of gray is present and what percentage of whether it's a neutral or a gold needs to be in the formula but texture and density plays a huge role in formulation application and timing so welcome back Jennifer thank you for coming back for a second round of color it 's so, been so fun i
1: 've really enjoyed it it 's really nice to be able to um, be here and just uh, share my experience and maybe talk a little bit about uh, textures of hair because even even after all these years of doing hair i 'm still challenged by hair texture um, and i but yet it's it 's something that um, I never really Thought a lot about in the beginning of doing gray coverage, Um, and I think that once we we start understanding what we don't know about something, it 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 begins to click. You know, you know when you first started doing hair, and it's like you would work with color, and you you start here, and and then you know you're going to get x, you you're going to get this result, but you're never quite sure how it is that you get that result. You just know that if you start here and go there, you're gonna have um, success. But but knowing the process of it, I think sometimes is what's a challenge. And um, so I thought, you know, talking about gray texture is really important um, for coloring um, gray hair. And, um, you know, there, there's different textures that we think of. I mean, don't you think there's different textures of fine hair, for example?
0: Absolutely. You know? um, Sometimes the finer of- hair can be more resistant than heavy, coarse hair. And you would be surprised by that. You think it would drink in anything you put on it. But some of those fine-haired ladies have some angry gray that needs special special attention. And and yeah. also I think um, something that triggers me when I read about it in questions on different hair color formulas is this whole, you know, the old school pre-softening, you know, everybody's yeah. advice is, oh, you have to pre-soften, you have to pre-soften. I don't know about you, Jennifer, but I've been coloring hair for 33 years. I have never pre softened whatever, whatever <laughs> technique that is that they're speaking of that is so old school, it's not even funny. I've done things to encourage better coverage. They would not yep. fall under the umbrella of pre-softening. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, um, yeah. do you agree? Is that something that well, um, you had to do? it's interesting
1: that you, you say that because I, I never, um, softened much but I I'm gonna say in the, these last two or three years of my career I have found myself using that technique because I do have some really difficult heads of hair I, I think that um, you know in in the area of where I live there's a lot of diversity here and so I have found pre- softening to be, quite useful on Asian, certain textures of Asian hair. I have one in particular, which I can go into detail about. There's another client that I have. She has crazy, crazy texture of hair. And, um, and I, I enjoy the challenge of, of uh, coloring her in particular. But what is your
0: but, your actual method of pre-softening? Is it the old school use developer by itself on a cotton ball?
1: I'm sorry, I'm laughing, because you cannot pre-soften with developer.
0: Okay, good. I thought maybe you were saying that you disagree with me saying don't, don't do that. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, great. you're doing what I'm doing. You're, you're doing a different technique for resistant hair, but it's not technically the old school pre-softening. That, that's what well, I'm saying. You know, is, the, it's a like, myth.
1: Exactly. And I, I, I don't understand why that's being taught. Because we need alkalinity to soften hair, yes. and I guess that be- do you understand what alkalinity is, yes. Elaine? Yes. Yeah. So, so, but a lot of your listeners may not really understand it, and I'm not even sure that I can truly explain it in an understanding way, understandable way. But I think of it as power. You mm-hmm. know, I think of the word as power, and um, so. Alkalinity is what softens the hair, and a developer is acidic. And so, you know, you can uh, put a pH test strip in a bottle of developer, and it'll tell you right away that it's a very low pH, much lower than demi colors, uh, especially liquid demi in particular, you know, if you're wanting to, to compare to something um and even the developers that are high the higher levels of developer those just have more oxygen but they're still acidic so uh and and it's the oxygen that causes the developer to have more power once it's mixed with hair color but um with with the idea of pre-softening the higher the level from what i've been taught the higher the level the tube of hair color that you're using the more alkalinity there is in those higher levels and so for example if I am going to pre-soften someone that's a level four I might go in and pre-soften them with a level six or a seven and um, I will oftentimes pre-soften with gold I know that we talked about using gold in Part one of the podcast. I think gold is just a really nice thing to add to pre-soften with because it gives some reflect to that gray. And um, you know, you're you're using such a small amount of um, uh, that gold to pre-soften with, right? You're just squirting a little in the bowl, and you're either using a. a, a A regular size brush or whatever tool that you're going to use to apply that to those particular strands of hair and then your color goes right over the top of it you don't have to um, go in and wait for a certain amount of time so once you put in your pre softening around the hairline uh, then you go over the top of it with your color and um, that little bit of difference can really make a big impact on the behavior of how that hair gets colored. And you know, I think also too is identifying those really resistant heads of hair. I still find that you know, don't don't you find with those those certain particular clients, they're always fun to experiment on because number one, they know they trust you, you always deliver, but you can try these little different tweaking techniques to see, Uh, what kind of results you're going to get. And so my clients don't know it, but they're guinea
0: pigs. (laughs) I Um, agree. but, But as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking in my head, I was behind the chair for 33 years. And right at this moment, I can count on one hand the amount of clients that I had issue covering their gray. And I think the reason being is that I understand how to properly formulate your point about the gold, we've all been so anti-gold for so many years. All these silver and platinum and gray looks, everyone has banned the gold from their shelves and they steer clear of it. But th- to your point, there's so much um, so much good to a tube of gold color in corrective ways, in pre-softening, and in doing all those things that people just are not even thinking about. And if- well, you. Uh, I think
1: um yeah, sorry, I'm I'm really good at interrupting our time. Okay. It's like I gotta get my thought out.
0: <laughs> Me too. See um, we both forget. If we don't say it right away, we forget.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um uh yeah, so you know why that is though? I don't think we've really thought about why it is we like to use gold on gray coverage, but really think about it. Gray hair lacks warmth.
0: Warmth. Yep.
1: Um and so the higher the percentage of gray the 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 less warmth there's going to be and and so the warmth really helps in enhance the outcome of a formula and it also just again i think we talked about it in part one it it gives a really nice what i like to call believable reflection to the hair so a lot of people you know it's it's very easy to fall back on neutral for a lot of of reasons. But in my mind, um, many neutral colors can run cool. I I don't know of a lot of neutral colors that run warm. And so you can put a neutral color on a head of gray. And depending on how much natural level is left in there, like I might add more neutral on someone that is under 50% gray. Um, but anyone that's over 50% gray, I tend to want to add some warmth because they think it enhances their skin tone. Um, you know, I, I think I heard it said somewhere before that the, the percentage of gray that someone is, is, is kind of how much they need to add to their skin tone. So, you know, as you know, I have allowed my hair to go completely gray. Um, It just was getting hard for me to keep up with the time. Number one, I have one of those extremely resistant heads of hair that we've talked about. Um, I have a fine texture. It's a little bit coarse. It's gotten finer. And so in two or three weeks, I have this skunk strike. And then I would highlight on top of that and it just got to be, um, a lot of work. And so now uh, I just get it foiled once in a while and I'm really loving my coronavirus color right now. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have but, coronavirus you know. grown up bangs. I now have grown up <laughs> bangs because I, c- I had to cancel my haircut appointment. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you get it. But, you know, I've I've understood. It's interesting how much more I understand about gray coverage since I've allowed my own hair to go gray. Um, I've understood uh, not only just gray coverage, but the texture of gray. I feel like um, by being gray, I understand it so much more. I understand product a little bit better. I understand what I think my clients need. Uh, you know, have you noticed when you color gray hair that I don't know about you, but I I tend to want to use less products with hold, and I want to use more products that have. conditioning benefit to it like Mm. an oil or even a a mix of a thickening cream that has a little bit of um, dimethicone or something to add this um, slick sort of soft feel I I will oftentimes I know we're going down a rabbit trail but oftentimes (laughs) I will cocktail a product to add sheen to the hair that's missing when they when they go gray and I've had clients tell me I love when you put some oil in my hair I don't oftentimes I'll mix the oil with something and I find that it just gives a gray hair or color treated gray hair a really nice believable feel like almost a dirty hair look You know, it's like when you don't shampoo your hair for two or three days, you actually it can and you're you don't use a lot of product, your hair just really lasts when you have gray hair or color-treated gray hair.
0: Well, what's interesting too about going gray, I think the clients don't realize is that the hair color had been altering their texture the entire time they were colored. So all of a sudden, this gray hair, it may be or curlier, coarser, you know, flatter, yeah. finer. A lot of, a lot of my women that I used to do behind the chair received color services for the texture and the body that it gave them more than the, than the shade of the color Absolutely, because their hair was so fine. So yeah, that I, definitely I makes this, sense.
1: I have this quote um, that I love to say to my clients that I'm going to tame their hair into submission because, <laughs> because really great, uh, uh, hair color does do that. It changes the texture of the hair. Uh, um, and, you know, regarding textures of hair. So there's curly heads of hair. I've ha- I have some clients that have, I have this one client that every time she sat in my my chair and she was right on the 50% uh, mark of of color. So, you know, she was like borderline i always went by the guideline if whatever you see first that's what i have more of right so on her hair i i I always saw equal parts i mean she was one of those rare people and so it was really tricky coming up with a formula for her because everything not only did she accept hair really easily which i mean she she accepted color really easily but she Always was warm, so it was a journey figuring out um, a formula for her that would create the coverage that she wanted with the least amount of warmth. I'd even tried um, cream dummies, and I found that the cream dummies ended up because they they uh, have no lifting pow- power; they're mainly depositing. Um, it was a darker result than what we were wanting so uh, we fi- i finally went down to adding a low volume developer to her color so essentially i was using the alkalinity in the color with the lowest volume of developer to a- just give her a shift a tonal mm-hmm. shift and so she got very very little pigment contribution because she was right at the 50 percent So I didn't want it to be too warm and I didn't want it to be too cool. So what I ended up doing for her formula was I have a mix of a gold violet and a a neutral cool. So in essence, I'm getting a slight bit of pigment contribution because there's alkalinity and and, um, by controlling some of that gold with a violet and then using a neutral cool it was the perfect formula mix for her and i don't always use a gold violet but i think in this situation it worked well for her because i didn't want to wash her out but i really wanted to get control and i love a neutral cool gold result if you can work that formula
0: yeah. Right. I'm very intrigued by that because I would never choose to add any gold in a 50-50 situation. Now, I don't know what your client looks like. I don't know what her natural base is, but I that is one case where I do avoid gold yeah. <laughs> in all ways possible. Yeah. Um, is it because- the gold well, mixed with the violet is almost like a beigey pinky base and it's well, different than, it's, than having straight yeah, up gold.
1: It's, it's, I, I wouldn't say it was pinky, I would just say it was, um, it was a controlled gold. So you know, it, it's like um, I would get, I, even at a low volume, I was still getting a little bit of pigment contribution from her hair. So I still, and I wanted a little bit of gold, but not too much. So the neutral, you know, the neutral cool, there's enough cool in the neutral cool, and there's enough violet in there that it just kind of met me in the middle, if okay. that makes sense. Um, a lot of times, I, I, it's hard for me to put into words what I'm visualizing. And, you know, again, I've done color swatching with my color lines, so I knew what I wanted to mix to get the result that I wanted. And, you know, I guess I would say, don't be afraid to, to play around with the formula on someone because even if you were to get a little too warm, to me that's, that's a little bit easier to fix than someone who's a little too cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, if, if someone ends up a little too warm I just go over the top of it with the correcting color in a 10 volume or a five volume. And I can bring it right to the middle of where I need to be. And uh, you know, because I'm using a low volume with my um, permanent color or my oxidative color, it, it almost, works it like a deposit color. Does that make
0: sense? Mm -hmm. You're just taking away some of the ability to lift, but you're still... Yeah.
1: So um, that's why I apply a little bit of gold to it. Because by the time I add the, the violet in there and the neutral cool in there, I don't want her to be muddy looking or a little drab. I still want a little bit of something. So... That's I'm going to be like-
0: trying something new next month and I will keep you and everyone listening post I have pretty much gotten to the unfortunate point where my liquid acidic Demi is no longer able to fight the fight. The gray has taken over the parte. So oh, I would now, love to do your hair. I've been, oh, I wish you could. I'm, I'm in Florida and hairdresser list. so... I had it done this last time by a new person. And I you know, I sat in her chair and I told her what I use. And of course she was she looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, I am a blonde that really struggles to be as cool as possible because I've gotten deeper at my base over the years and the gray is starting, like I said, to take over the party. So my dear friend Ian came up with this plan of using liquid acidic Redkin Shades EQ as my gray coverage formula, and it was like a dream come true. I've done it for probably about five years now, and it's been mm-hmm. the best I've ever loved my color because it's not slightly shifting that base and bringing out all that blorange and making me, yeah. you know, crazy. Um, it's blending the gray enough that I'm a hundred percent happy. I would rather see a couple sprinkles in there and pretend that they're blonde than have yeah. all that orange that comes with permanent color. However, yeah. now I almost have to, for me to get away with this anymore, I have to retouch my roots every 10 days. And that's not happening to your point. You know, I am alone. You're alone in your studio. We don't have a full staff to wait on us and right. I don't mm-hmm. want to do my color every 10 days myself. So. I was chatting with my friend who came up with that idea and he said, you know, I've been having that issue too with some people. And he says, what about just adding just a little bit of liquid, permanent, alkaline color into your acidic where you're kind of doing a hybrid between... Using the demi and doing the permanent. It's breaking every rule known to man. Yeah, totally. But I really would rather <laughs> do that than get into full out permanent collar. So I will be the guinea pig and I will let you know how that goes. Because yeah, we talked awesome. about this on the last episode that, you know, a demi really does behave, you know, almost the same as a permanent, minus the ability to lift. And we talked about how over time. You know, you're gonna get some banding and some heavy coverage because it has all of the oomph of um, permanent color. So I think just even maybe say my formula is an ounce and a half. I think maybe like two tablespoons of the permanent, and I'm talking. I'm gonna go back to like Miss Clairol, like old school, because so you need. I, I want. I, I want should. liquid.
1: I I think. We should go there for a minute because as you were talking, I was thinking of the different results I've seen between demis that are liquid and demis that are cream. Um, Cream demis are a little bit higher in alkalinity than a liquid demi, and a permanent color is slightly higher than a cream demi. And you might you might decide to play around with a cream Demi. Maybe the cream Demi will give you the result that you want or a little bit more closer to what you're looking for without having to go into the permanent color.
0: Can I tell you why Um, I don't do that? Why? I started out doing my gray with a Demi before I discovered the ability to do it with the sheer acidic. And I always got that... Inky, heavy, opaque mm. coverage of a permanent cream that I did not want. Yeah. I want that shimmer and shine. So that's yeah. why I switched to the liquid. And that's why when going, when taking it up a notch, I could absolutely do that with, say, Shades Q cream. I could add Shades Q yes. cream to my Shades Q mm-hmm. liquid, but I'm going to get that inky, um, opaque, not letting the light through result. So let's
1: talk about that. Let's talk about that. So, Um, there is in in Demi cream colors, I forget the one ingredient. I I have a friend, um, Karen, who, um, is really a brainiac and nerd with hair color. So I'm going to ask her this question. I forget there's this one, um, type of color. Do I want to say, yeah, so anyway, I'll, I'll have to ask her, but, um, demi colors and liquid colors have this one ingredient that stays in the hair it works um low and slow but it keeps working for this long period of time um de- developing does i don't know if i'm making sense to you or not yeah
0: yeah, I'm gonna come with but you.
1: um with demi colors the longer you leave them on the more they're going to deposit and deepen and um, get dark. And I think that that is probably what was happening with you. And so when I'm formulating with a cream demi, I will formulate a lot different than I would a liquid demi. Like oftentimes um, I will uh, swatch out what, how dark, a demi is. I might compare it to, um, I might, I might compare two different demi lines just to see how deep they are. And then I might go up one or two levels because I know that if I process it for 10, 15 minutes, two levels lighter, it's, it's not going to, um, shift the gray so much but the deposit's going to be so much lighter. So I'm not going to get that inky results.
0: I did that too. (laughs) I've I've done it all because my formula on the five base and when the gray started to show up, I was like, okay, I'm going to use a cream Demi because I do it for my clients. I'm like, it's my turn. I'm gray now. And my original formula was well, a color touch, eight stroke, zero and seven stroke one. And Uh it covered the gray, but it also shifted the base just enough to make it super warm. So that was the end of that. I was like, forget it. I'm not doing that anymore. And then I went back to just doing highlights and then the gray started to take over the party. Mm -hmm. And then I did, um, to your point earlier, I did Redken color gels because I like that shimmer and translucency. I did the permanent gels, but with 10 volume. And when they came out with their AB, AB is in boy, I was like in heaven because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. It's going to be super cool. And it was for like seven days until the heat of the sun, the heat of my blow dryer, you know, the little bit of tone yeah. pushes off and then I was blonde on McDonald's.
1: Because again, so. there is some alkalinity in a cream color. So there is, um, you, you do, you do have to be careful because there is going to be an element of shift Yes, and um, so you want you do want to be careful with that. So I totally understand, and I think that that's why hair color can be so confusing um, for a lot of people when you're when you're coloring gray is. is. But I find, um, and and in your situation, what's your percentage of gray? I mean, I would say it depends the, on whole, where you look.
0: I have like a patch under here that's really white. Can I see that? Yeah. So I don't even care about that because that's hidden the way I wear my hair, thank God. Right. But in my part where you would see it and everybody else, I'd Um, say I'm like maybe 45% now, which I never will. I mean, this is all recent. This is within like the last six months.
1: The reason I think you were probably getting those warm results is because you just didn't have enough, you know, had you had more gray and less natural pigment, your results would have been totally different.
0: 100%. uh, And my clients laugh because when they complain about their gray, when I was going through this, I'd say, oh, I cannot wait to get more gray. So I don't have to fight all this warmth. Now I have more gray and now I'm (laughs) obsessed with more gray. So I'm like such a hypocrite.
1: (laughs) And and we have to really understand that. Remember the old rule, um, 24. 25% gray is say is if you're 25% gray, then three quarters of your formula should be either neutral or neutral cold cold. or neutral cool. If you are 50% gray, Then half your formula is your accent tone, and your the other half of your formula is your neutral or neutral cool. And you know, so you know the formula that I'm talking about. So, Mm -hmm. and if you're 75% gray, then three quarters of your formula is your neutral or neutral warm, and um, your accent color. And um, 100% gray is, of course, your neutral or your neutral gold or your gold or if you're going to do something really flamboyant and amazing and creative then maybe you're going to slam that hair with red and um but you still need to add a little bit of gold or something otherwise people are going to come up with a hot base and not understand it and that's a whole nother topic i guess Of discussing but I think remembering that that rule of mixed racial ratios is is really helpful when we're formulating because you know when when we're standing behind the chair I I couldn't I can remember standing behind the chair and I would have someone sitting in my chair and I could feel a sweat coming on Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the confidence then that I have now And, um, you know, of course we want to promise, make promises to our clients. We can do this, we can do it. And the whole time we're sweating bullets and hoping that we guessed it right or did it right. (laughs) I mean, I remember those times so
0: clearly. But isn't it um, so nice now that you understand, um, I was doing another interview a few days ago and we were talking about doing a test strand and I said, it's interesting because to me test stranding shows your experience and your confidence as a colorist because you know how wrong it can go where maybe the newer stylist is afraid to look like they don't know and that the test strand is them second guessing themselves. So that's the difference in someone who has more years in the industry and is so confident that they're like, you know what? I'm doing a piece in the back and making sure that this is a go before I compromise their entire head and then it's a disaster. So I think you doing all that swatching and really understanding the product that you're working with, you no longer sweat. It's a combination of experience, but you can have 30 years experience, never have done any of that swatching and really never really know what your color line is like. Yes, I I think that's
1: a big, that's a big thing for instance earlier we were talking about you know I brought up the gold violet thing Um, if I knew that my color line had so much gold in the gold violet I might not use it but when I swatch it out it's a very balanced um, cool looking tone and so I'm very comfortable using it because I have done the swatching the fabric swatching so um, I love the I, I love being able to fabric swatch and see what I'm going to get, and uh, you know many many hairdressers will blame the they'll blame their cut co- their color for not covering the hair, I and agree. it's not about the color at all. It's about it's about their formulation. It's about understanding hair texture it's about understanding is your color uh, how opaque is your color how translucent is your color those are those are all things that you need to take into consideration when you're working on a head of hair there are several steps and there's even questions that we should be asking our clients um, what has been your experience with past color? That, that's a lot of clues. That will give you a lot of clues. Tell you, oh, they always come up warm and brassy. Um, I would take a look at their, their skin tone, their eye color. Um, I would try to gather as much information as I can. And, um, and I like to find out what is their personality? You know, I think we talked about that. Are they a whisper, scream or shout Mm -hmm. personality? And, and then when I gather all this information that will help me in my process, and I also am very careful to let them know that I'm not going to promise the moon and the stars, but we are definitely, here's where we're going to start. And this is, this is our goal in the future. Always, always plan to give them those elements of hope so they have something to look forward to and they know that you're not a magician, that you are a beautician. Although I hate that word. That just sounds like so antique now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but it's true. And something that popped into my head when you were talking about the, the percentage of gold in your gold violet and your fabric yeah. um, swatching... Uh-huh. The most impactful, one of the most impactful statements that I had ever heard in my career came from Beth Minardi and she shared that the Redken Shades EQ G series is a very Mm -hmm. green gold. Yes. And I'll never forget that. And I share that Mm -hmm. with as many people that will listen to me because I avoid it using like a 9G on my blondes because I pictured this you know, 14 karat gold, gold, like you would wear on your necklace, you know? And I'm like, yes, why would yeah. I want to put, we're always fighting warmth. Why would I want to use that? And now that I understand that it leans very green, mm-hmm. now I use it when I want to have a little bit of calming down and, and yes. coolness. And I'm actually looking for more of a green. So now I'll make green, you know, Redken really doesn't give us a green. There's a lot of blues, there's a lot of violets, but there's not really a green. So when I need to get rid of red and I actually need a green, now I will use a G and a B to create green because we're usually avoiding putting G and B together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never have thought of that, you know? So it's like really understanding and not having that safety tube of, I think we got into this in episode one of like, oh, I'm going to use a 7N because it worked on the last three people, you know, okay. like people get complacent and they don't really understand. So I, I am hundred percent having you come and do a, a video exercise for my members of my insiders. I want yeah. you to do that fabric swatching. I think that's so I've done it. I share with people, you know, when you're in a pinch and you're in the salon, you're not really sure about the base. Take a dry piece of cotton and pour your shades EQ, a little drop straight out of the bottle, no developer, onto Mm -hmm. cotton, and that will show you the base. And when you do that with the G, it does look very mossy green.
1: Yes. I think
0: your experiment with the fabric is a lot more in depth and really shows a lot more, especially I've seen you compare two different lines, you know, this line 7N with this line 7N, and it's very eye opening for sure it is really eye
1: opening i i have um i just wanted to make a comment um about the green um, green always sounds so scary but green is um uh, it's a mix of gold it's a mix of yellow and blue right mm-hmm. I, my brain <laughs> has <have> to stop <laughs> and think about everything now um and green is a refinement of gold it really is a refining people will think of gold as brassy but when it's refined it's not so
0: brassy It's beautiful yeah
1: it can be very beautiful so you know i don't want people your listeners to think that green is a bad thing in fact when i used to use redkin many years ago i often would reach for a neutral cool because it would give me a refinement, a, a green. You know, it had that refined tone, and I never really at that time I never thought about it. I just knew that I liked. Just knew it the, worked. The yeah, end result.
0: Yeah. Something I found out recently because I I really love to travel is that a lot of other countries have a green based color because of their ethnicity and their base color. Yeah. So I believe, and this is not fact, this is 100% my theory and my opinion that we don't get to use it in the States because they know that hairdressers don't really understand, I shouldn't say hair, oh, hairdressers, but there's a high percentage of hairdressers that are playing the guessing game and doing the Hail Mary. And if they yes. get a hold of that tube of green, there's going to be a whole lot of hell breaking loose and they don't want that hotline blowing up. But it's unfortunate because yeah. how awesome would it be if we could have that Latino green based color and be able to mm-hmm. pump out some JLo fabulous because we need that green at that low base because of how much red we're fighting. So yes. I thought that was interesting. I wanted to smuggle some home. I was in Aruba everywhere I go. I always visit a salon and yeah. uh, I popped in and I was like, Oh, you know, what color do you use? And I believe it was L'Oreal and they pulled out their swatch chart. And there was like, I mean, pond scum, dark green, greeny green base. And I was like, where did you get this? I have to have this. And they're looking at me like, what do you mean? Why don't you have it? So I thought that was interesting that, you know, the same manufacturer has different shades for different parts of the world.
1: You know, it's as you were talking. It made me think of swatch charts and you know when you look at your not necessarily the swatches themselves, but the background tones that the color line that you're using gives you um, I what I learned from my mentor was to double check that information by swatching out because you know, something might say that it has this much green or this much blue, but when you swatch it out on fabric, is that what you really see? So, anyway, I know I I know you're watching the clock. So no, I was actually forever. I was actually
0: clicking mute on my microphone because my husband and son are having a noisy lunch. So that's oh, all okay. that was. Um, but yes, I could talk to you forever, and I feel like we just gave so much information that people listening yeah. are probably like their brain hurts anyway. Oh yeah,
1: they're fried. Um
0: but you are, you know, one of those people that is going to be I hope coming back on this podcast quite often because you really do have lots of experience. Your head is on straight, you know, you're not um you and I both are not big, uh, funky, rainbow, vivid type hairstylists. Yeah, and as here. much as we, we struggle with feeling that we're you know starting to be um, less relevant because of our age and, the, and the, yeah. the little bit of ageism that we experience, I think that yeah. our, our knowledge and skill as colorists will stand the test of time and yes. that gray coverage is always going to be you know, if you, if you look at the statistics, it's, you know, the biggest percentage of income in salons throughout yeah. the world is gray coverage, even with all of this, um, you know, trend to embracing gray. And who knows what's going to happen now because everybody's doing the hashtag, show your roots right now because of this yeah. <laughs> virus. So there's going to be, I'm sure, a million and one stylists that are home right yeah. now saying, how can I be the next Jack Martin? How can I be the next um person that creates, you know, a trend based on people's yeah, right. lack of ability to get to the salon. <laughs> the you know, they'll be dyeing their hair with like beets or something in their kitchen. So or, something crazy is going to it come. Would out of so it
1: would be so scary if the grow out look became the new look, wouldn't it? Yeah. Where people oh, yeah. just walked around with their skunk line and that was the, the half the, and look half. Of the day. <laughs> oh,
0: that's not, the non-committal, the non-committal <laughs> look. <laughs> not committing to my colors, not committing to my <laughs> my new shade. so Oh
1: my gosh. Scary. So stay tuned,
0: everyone listening. And Jennifer, it's always, always a pleasure. So we will be hearing from Jennifer again. And uh, thank you for listening. We will see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.